Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I'm feeling a little bit under the weather after a long boozy lunch at Lena Stores in King's Cross yesterday. Very beautiful. We found the service and the food to be really great, which was at odds with one of my heroes, Grace Dent, with her interview or review, sorry, in The Guardian. So she was reasonably damning of it, but I really did enjoy it. And maybe it'll just take some time for everything to gel together. And she did go in extremely early. So maybe some teething problems that hopefully they'll get over very, very soon. Today I've got an amazing guest, I've got Kenny Blair, who literally served me my first pint when I was a little boy, or sorry, an adult, and was at co-winning in a pub called The Clermont, which he owned with his brother and his sister. That was the hangout for us, that was our local, and through the years they built up lots of businesses, they sold almost the job lot around 2003 and then started up again under a new name called Buzzworks. So Kenny will explain why Buzzworks and what makes it so great and what the strategy is for the new way forward. And they're just about to open site 12 this weekend or the weekend of the re- or the weekend of the recording. So wishing them well with that. I think you'll get a lot of inspiration from Kenny. He's a really great business leader. Very, very sponge-like in terms of always being open to new ideas, new ways of doing things, new concepts, and great ways and new ways to make customers happy. So it gives me the most first pint pleasure ever uh, to introduce... A very old friend, a good Scottish man, and really inspirational businessman, Mr. Kenny Blair from Buzzworks. Hello. How's it going? Great to meet you again. Yes, all back together. And what we'll try and do is um, speak as slowly as possible, but when you listen to the podcast, obviously you can you can slow it down for those lazy listeners out there. So we'll see what's going. So it's all going on for you today, right? There's new offices, new venue. Yes, just moving into a new office in the metropolis of Kilmarnock in the in the west of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And we were busting out of our old offices, which were just above a couple of our venues, and had to move to a more suitable uh, building. So we've got a great new building with training facilities, and and tomorrow we open our twelfth uh, venue, the Duke. Uh, which is a cafe bar, and that's in Kilmarnock as well. It's just around the corner from our new office, so Great. Uh, ideal. And that's number 12, is it? That is number 12, yes. And we've uh, got 13, 14, 15 in the pipeline. They're all, great. all happening, so yeah. Brilliant. Well, let's let's go back a wee bit then. Well, the first thing that would be good, just in case... Um, Anyone listening hasn't heard of Buzzworks or, or doesn't know it, it would be good to just sort of 
talk a little bit about the company and you know where it's come from and um, your kind of ethos now and, and, and what it is you're, you're hoping to build as, as the future goes? So the very origins of the business uh, were back in 1978. Uh, I was eight years old mm-hmm. um, and my mum and dad, my dad was a builder and he always wanted to have a pub. And we lived in a town called East Kilbride. Uh, that's where I kind of grew up for the first eight years of my life. And they found this pub um, in that great town called Kilwinning. Mm-hmm. You and I both know very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, uh, my mum and dad sold the house and uh, bought this pub along with my brother Colin, who's 12 years older than me. Uh, he had some experience in the trade. He'd been to the Scottish Hotel School. And they bought this pub in Kilwinning, which was ne- next door to a bookmaker's and a cafe. And they proceeded with not a very, uh, not not a huge amount of funds to make a phenomenal success um, of that pub. And I remember it, you know, I, I remember how excited I was uh, when I was a, a wee boy. And, uh, you know, the whole being about that sort of environment it was a very traditional. Um, we eventually put a, a games room in it. Pool tables. I was very good at pool when I was when I was a young boy. <laughs> I spent yes. that was my first experience of hospitality, if you like. Um, and I actually worked in it from I think I was maybe ten. I was stacking the the, the shelves and emptying the the bottle bins and doing the cellar and all that. So that that was that was the start of the business. Unfortunately, my my dad died in nineteen eighty one, mm. and my brother. And my mum continued on, and my sister was involved uh, in the in the business as well at that point. And we we graduated from that uh, traditional pub uh, to a wine bar, and then to a, a cafe bar, uh, and then to another wine bar. And we did all sorts of things, including a nightclub, which wasn't very successful for us. It was a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had Italian restaurants. We had traditional pubs. We had what I would call boozers, um, you know, typical uh, Scottish pubs with a, a variety of of, uh, of pubs and and all sorts of stuff. It was great experience uh, back in those days. I was I was I was at school, always worked in the business, you know, sort of part time. Um, I think it was a great. I mean, I speak to lots of people, and that's kind of how they start. The kind of bug gets them. And so we did. We did all that, and we eventually uh, we, we bought and sold quite a few things at that time. And we eventually came back to Kilwinning, where I, I met you, and we bought a hotel. And at that time, I think we'd sold most of the other things and stuck to this hotel. Which, you know, looking back, I was thinking back in my education in hospitality, and that hotel was the single best part of my education and hospitality, the best part of my experience because it had a pub in it, it had a, a bar, restaurant in it, it had a function suite, um, it had bedrooms, it had a nightclub. It was virtually everything under the one roof, if you can remember it. We did weddings, we did funerals, we did small conferences, you name it, we did it. And uh, we did, I, I mean, I think, I think we were about 10 years mm-hmm. in there and that was just a fantastic experience. So we went went from there, uh, bought another hotel, and then we started expanding again uh, and eventually built up a kind of group of, of disparate businesses. Like I say, we had an Italian restaurant, we had uh, traditional pubs, you name it, we had it, and we sold them all in 2003. Um, and it left us with one venue, uh, which is, which we still got today, which is called Vix and Divine. It was called Elliot's. It's just had a, a, a huge refit this year. Uh, and uh, that is the start of Buzzworks as it is today. Uh, you know, is that sort of 2003 onwards is the start of where we are today. Where did the name come from? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Now. I mean, we were, I think we were all sitting around one day, my sister and my brother and I, uh, you know, we own the business. Uh, you know, it was a long time ago thinking, you know, what is a good name for this business? And we're all very tuned in to, I mean, you've heard that phrase a lot, I'm sure, um, that there's a great buzz about the place, so there's a great buzz in here. 
And uh, I think that's what it, well, that, that is what it referred to. You know, when there's a buzz in a hospitality venue, whether it's a pub, a restaurant, a nightclub or whatever, you know, it, it works really well. It, it, it's successful. And also it refers to the, 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 the buzz of, of um, you know, working in a great uh, business. Uh, so that, that that's that's what that's what it refers to, and you know one of my one of my mantras at the moment, uh, and it has been for a while, is you know are we creating a buzz? Uh, and if you can create a buzz in a in a in a venue, then generally you know you're going to get repeat business, and you know the whole thing whole thing really works, and it's enjoyable to work in that sort of atmosphere. That's one of the great things about hospitality, I think, is that um, you know people do get that amazing feeling when it's all going well so that's 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 where you know we've kind of stuck stuck with it i don't think we can change it now no i, I think it's definitely it's, it's it's definitely right for you you know and i think just with the lo- wee logo you've got with the, the wee b and, and all that stuff you know i think that looks really smart so i just going back i was thinking about a few things that you've just said uh you know you really sort of blew everything up and started again and there must have been quite a lot of bravery with that. You know, how do you close venues? How do you sell venues on and then build it back up again? I mean, what what made you do that? Did you, Was it some of the concepts just not as relevant or was the market changing or, or what, what happened there? In 2002, we had just opened Elliot's. It was a fantastic success. Um, and we... You know, we thought that it was a good time to capitalise on that previous business, which was quite disparate at the time. You know, it wasn't there wasn't really two of anything. It was all just kind of, you know, we kind of picked up things as we went along. There was no real, there was no real strategy at the time. Um, and somebody came along, kind of out of the blue with an offer, and it was a good offer. And we decided to, you know, we decided to take it. We had spent quite a long time in some of the, the businesses we had and we felt it was the right time. And at that the early the early noughties was, you know, that two thousand two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, it was yeah. the it was the good old days. So um yeah, we, we just just made that decision to to capitalise on that offer. And what were the biggest mistakes you were making around about that time when you were a wee bit younger if you look back? Hey Looking back on our early career uh, in the business, I think that you you know there's a surplus of enthusiasm over knowledge. I think one of the things I, I think is that if we'd known what we'd known now back then, we wouldn't have tried half the things <laughs> we were doing. It was just a real enthusiasm. You, you had that entrepreneurial enthusiasm. There was a real... Um, there was a, a real desire just to do mm-hmm. things really, really well. Um, and if you made a great, if you created a great space and you put in some great food and drink and good service and you created a buzz, you know, the, the profits would follow. You know, there wasn't a great amount of science went into, you know, cash flow or P&Ls or budgets or anything like that. It was just that phenomenal enthusiasm. Uh, and I see that, I see people doing that all the time. And it's, it's maybe not wrong. Whereas now in the business, you know, it's all about projections and budgets and uh, all, all that kind of stuff. So that was a, you know, was it a mistake or was that just enthusiasm getting the better of us? Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, what's the biggest mistake? We've learned so much over the years. You know, uh, buying properties that are too small. That's a that's a big one. Uh, you know, not not doing your research into into you know whether you can make something, make a proper business out of a out of a small space. Uh, we did that a couple of times, um, so that that's something uh, that that stuck with us. Matching the the, the offer with the market, uh, you know, I, I think you, it's easy for it's easy for us to go to London or New York and think, God, that's a great concept. I think we should bring that back to you know the west of Scotland, and uh, you know. It's just not right. It's not what people want. Um, being a bit clever, I think you know. The, the, there's nothing like the the great Scottish public to bring you back down Aye. to earth, <laughs> uh, are willing to give you a, an undiluted opinion of your business. 
Um, so you know, I, I think that's been that's been one of the the main learnings. And the west of Scotland is a tough market, right? You know, if you walk down Cowan you know, our old local high street, or you know, there's not a lot of money in some parts of it. Yet, I guess you're very much a premium offer. Uh, you know, compared to a lot of things that are that are in the market, is that you know? Because I, I think that was quite brave in a lot of ways. You know, positioning yourself and and holding your nerve as yeah. you know a premium proposition. You know, how how does it feel? You know, trading there. You know, is it more occasions or is it just a certain segment of the audience that you get, or how does that work? Well, we, I, I think because of the the types of places that that. We have our, our uh, restaurants and bars. I, I don't think you can be tremendously niche. You've got to offer, you know, our offer is pretty wide. One of the comments we get a lot is our menus are, are really big uh, and our offer's big. So I think one of the secrets is trying to please three generations of the one family and the one venue and the one town. I think we can get, you know, you happy, your mum happy, and your kids happy all under the one roof, and I think I think that's been part of our sort of DNA. Another thing we try and do is we just, we try and be good value, you know, not necessarily the cheapest, but we try and be good value. Price times quality equals value. One of my favourite equations, and uh, we always try and be good value. So we just try and be the best place in in the locales that we operate. That's the that's the goal, really. I mean, we operate t- typically it will be a town of you know. Twelve to yeah. fifteen thousand people, and yeah. sometimes even smaller. It's a tough one, and and I think there's a lot of people, you know, looking at you know more residential things, and you know, sort of maybe being too niche, maybe being too expensive, and you know, it, it, it's really hard trading out there, and it just be an eye opener, I think, for you know anyone listening that's more London centric, etc. You know, it'd be a real different thing to get your head around. You know, trading in the west of Scotland, you know, it would be a completely completely different ball game and probably a good thing to come up and see it for yourself you know and really really try and understand it would be a good idea yeah happy to show, happy to show anyone around for a small fee <laughs> <laughs> um well what i was thinking was going back to yeah uh, you know when you were back to having the one venue and, and building it up and you talked about you didn't really have a strategy as such before that what became the strategy then you know what did you then say right we're going to we're going to do this. This is a strategy going forward. Um, I I think I think once we had three or four places, we we sort of thought you know this is just going to be too difficult if we end up. With, we we always wanted to grow the business. We wanted to test ourselves, um, and and create what I would like to think is a world class business in Scotland. I'm constantly looking at what, what world class benchmarks are, um, so. The strategy it started off as look, we need to we need to pick one of these places we've got and try and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Um, you know we were looking at what was happening elsewhere in hospitality. You know that that kind of strategy has changed for everyone. I think you know the the you know us rolling out fifty of one of our uh, venues is that's not going to happen anymore. Um, I mean I've heard you speaking about that to other guests. Um, is that you know we're trying to be a bit more individualistic, a bit more instead of one size fits all. It's you know we're trying to make subtle adjustments and and make them all feel uh, slightly different. Uh, even the ones with the same sort of name, uh, we're trying to do that. I mean that's what we started off saying. We've got to make life simple. You know if we're going to build build a much bigger business, we've got to do that. But I think over the last year, eighteen months, that strategy has. Has definitely changed. You know, culminating in the the opening of something completely different uh, in the next, you know, in tomorrow uh, we open the Duke. Mm-hmm. Something completely different again. So, and what do you think investors are looking for? You know, in in terms of your business, is a debate. I've been having the last few weeks at a couple of board meetings and with a couple of clients, and they're thinking about a few years' time, perhaps, and and flipping it. And you know, there is this dilemma of. Do you make it easy for the investor, which means it's one thing that just replicates? Do you have it that it's a little bit more tidy where there's, you know, three, four, five different brands? Or do you go completely different, 
which is actually seems to be where the market wants at the moment. Certainly, you know, they're wanting it to feel a bit more. Every every venue is more independent, yeah, um, in a lot of ways. But you know, have you get any thoughts on that? Because I guess in ten years' time, you might look back and you know maybe you've created too many brands, or you know, you've got an eye on that. Yeah, well, I think the one one thing that I, I think that we can do is we can make the 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 engine, the skeleton, if you like, of of every venue be the same. You know, we've got the same systems and processes and management and the culture and mm-hmm. and all the rest of it the same. And we can put sort of different clothes on everything and a slightly different offer and slightly adjusted. I mean, personally for me, I'm I'm keen in, in creating something that's world class. That if if we want to try something new, it's it's not massively difficult for us because we've got all the systems and processes in place. We've just got to create a new concept to go around about that. I don't think we want to have too many different concepts, but I do think that we want to have enough options that, you know, we, we have opportunities all the time, but we want enough options that no matter what the opportunity comes our way, um, we have something that fits the bill to put in that. And I think that's the kind of strategy. I don't think we're going to call them all the same thing, but I think, you know, if, you know, we're looking at new opportunities at the moment and we're thinking, right, what is it that's going to go in there? And I think we've kind of got something for any opportunity that comes our way in a, in a regional basis in Scotland. I think that's that's how I would put it. I mean, I, I don't think we want, I don't think we'd want 30 things that are completely and utterly different. Uh, I think we want a, a, a variety uh, of basic concepts individualised for the area, all run by a, a business with a fantastic culture and fantastic systems and processes. It's good to have that flexibility, you know, it just keep you super agile, you know, and yeah. I think that the smarter brands are definitely doing that. And then I guess, um, you know, I was thinking about Buzzworks as an entity as well. Again, this comes up quite a lot with, with some clients where, to what extent are you shouting about Buzzworks versus the individual, you know, sort of bars and, and restaurants and venues? You know, what? how's that going? I I don't, in terms of Buzzworks, we see as more a, an employee, an employer brand, uh, as, as more than a business brand. Oh, good. Uh, if truth be told, we're going through a whole um, employer value proposition process at the moment just to identify uh, you know what? What is the DNA of us mm. as employers? Because you know that's very uh, important to us. Very, very important to us. Um, so we're not shouting about the brand, if you like. We're try- trying almost to play that down. Like, you know, and try and feel a bit mm. more, um, a bit more independent, but with that professionalism. Would you want someone to know that another venue was linked to another venue, or are you trying to step away from that? It's a, it's a really interesting question. I think, I think customers want to know that they can rely on something, but they also want something that feels a bit more independent. It's a really tricky one at the moment. That's what that's my feeling uh, just now. You know, they want you get the reliability of a brand of a you know of a Wagamama. You know what you're going to get when you go in the in the door, but then. You know, I think in regional locations, people want something that feels a bit more personal and a bit more individualistic. It's trying to unlock the the, the, the balance between those two, I think. They want their cake and eat it. <laughs> From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hello, 
www.ad.uk hashtag ad and then just going back as well um you know i'm just looking through some of the wonderful questions gabby sent and i usually go off piste and read them out and i get in trouble from her so there's a couple of you know great ones in here so you're in the family firm so what's that like sort of the benefits and the the challenges um you know working with your family it's a great question it is a great question i mean um i i i actually think i'm quite lucky that i get to work with my brother and sister <laughs> um, we get to see each other pretty regularly and um, we one one of the benefits of working with your family i think is that you can you can be brutally honest um you know and sometimes it's it's quite it's quite tough um you know in that sort of environment but one th- one benefit that we have uh, as as a family is that in the boardroom we can be brutally honest with each other uh, to say the least if you read between the lines there but as soon as we walk out mm-hmm. the room you know it, it, it's it's not there's no grudges held um, we just have a We've been through so much together. We've been through all the ups and downs uh, of a, a business over this amount of time that you know we, we we all have a common goal. We sometimes disagree about how to get there, but because we're so honest with each other, you know we get it all out on the table. It's all flushed out, and then when we when we leave the room, it's all forgotten about. I mean, I, I've seen myself and my brother, uh, you know, have some quite heated debates. And then we'll walk out the door and I'll say, uh, you fancy a game of golf tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and we'll, yeah. we'll be able to do that. And I think that's been a real, uh, it's a real strength of our business that we've got each other to rely on. And we're, we're all completely reliable. You know, there's no, we, we can totally rely on each other. Well, I think, I think what's quite nice thinking about it is there's none of that one-upmanship because there's almost nowhere for you to go. Like, there's the three of you are equal, kind of yeah you know it's not like you're trying to do calling over to get his job or his boss's job or a do you know what i mean so that that that, that takes a layer of rubbish out of it doesn't it i cannot believe some of the politics that go on yeah and other businesses i just it, it blows my brain it absolutely blows my brain some of the some of the things i hear and i was really lucky last year i, I came up and, and did a wee speech for you and stuff and i got to see it firsthand you guys actually doing business, which I'd never really seen before. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really nice to see and, and to spend time with you. And one of the things I was so impressed about was, you know, your sort of leadership and, and leadership thinking and speaking. And, you know, a lot of the, the team were just, you could see they were just hooked, you know, with, with a lot of the stuff you were saying. And you were talking a lot about Danny Mayer. And I know he's a, a, big, a big deal for you. Um, as he is a lot of people, but I don't know if you wanted to sort of talk to that a little bit and talk about the cake analogy and all these other things that you you know you said that were brilliant. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So setting the table, you know, has been a, a quite a big influence and on, on me certainly, and you know, I, I, I'm a I'm an avid uh, reader of all sorts of books, um, but certainly setting the table really caught my attention and I know it's caught the attention of many people in hospitality and um, I got the chance to go and meet some of the some of the management team at Union Square through a a study tour uh, in 2018 it was a New York study tour organized great with uh, Mm -hmm. some other people from uh, British hospitality and we got to speak to them. And then uh, I need to give a big shout out here to uh, an organisation called uh, HIT, which is not the training company, but there's a HIT in Scotland um, called the Hospitality Industry Trust, which is a charity uh, that uh, it promotes the learning of future leaders and people in Scottish hospitality. And I applied for a scholarship with them and... I was, I was urged to apply, even at my level, urged to apply for a scholarship. And they sent me over to Union Square um, last April uh, to Danny Mayer's business mm-hmm. for a three-day uh, leadership course, which was absolutely fantastic. Got to meet Danny, got to meet Richard Crane, his right-hand man, 
uh, and three or four of the other senior leaders. We got to, you know, it was all about their culture and their, their promotion of enlightened hospitality. And uh, it was really, really fascinating. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience to get people from all, all sorts of industries going to learn about their culture. And Danny, one of Danny, Danny came in at the end to give us an hour of his time and he was, he was talking about culture and he said he was, uh, one of the things I remember, he was talking about, he was inspired by what Ray Kroc did at McDonald's. And of course, you know, he created Shake Shack and he said that, you know, one of his goals was um, not only to make, uh, he said that McDonald's can make the, the Big Mac taste the same in New York as it does in Buenos Aires. His goal was to make the culture in Shake Shack feel the same in New York as it does in Buenos Aires. It was all about the culture. So, you know, that it was it was phenomenally inspiring and we got to see it we got to see it in action firsthand. Uh, and it was it, it was an incredible uh, three days we spent. And then thinking about culture, you know, you've had a few good wins yourself on that. Um, you know, I saw the Buzzworks ball uh, photos up on uh, Instagram and stuff, which looked fantastic. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then also you've had the, the Sunday Times Award as well. Did you want to talk a wee bit about that sort of process? You know, because lots of people want to do it, but they don't take the time and effort to do it. So, yeah, it'd be good to find out how you got that. What happened there was um, we... We, we've always been a quite a people-orientated business, I would say. Um, and when we set, we set a goal to get to 20 million in sales by 2020 and be world-class. And at the time when we set the goal, I think it was back in sort of 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. we had been in the caterer, best places to work in hospitality, you know, the, 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 the top 30, I think, or top 25. And we were, we were sitting around as a leadership team talking about what world-class meant. And we said, if we're going to be world-class at anything, we should be world-class at our culture, our people culture. And someone said, well, if we're going to be world-class at that, we've got to benchmark ourselves, not just against hospitality businesses, but also against um, other businesses up and down the UK. And... The Sunday Times was seen as the as the benchmark. So we said we kind of sat around and said, "Well, let's go in for it in uh, the first year and just see where the gaps are." So we, we kind of entered it thinking, you know, we'll, we'll find out what number we come and you know what we need to do to to get into the top one hundred. And one of the things I love about I mean, we've won all sorts of awards in the Scottish license trade and in hospitality. But the, the most fantastic thing about the Sunday Times is that it's a it's a confidential survey of your people. And the, there's not really any way of of you know, there's there's no sponsors, there's no you know, there's it's not sponsored by Diageo or anything like that. You know, there's no there's no favours there. It's just unfiltered opinions of at least half your workforce, and that's what gets you in the the top 100. So in year one, I mean, I was absolutely shocked to open the envelope and get the message to say we had got into the Sunday Times 100 best companies to work for in the UK. And we were, really? you know, we were so proud and, and continued to be uh, so proud. And we've, um, we, you know, we've been in it five years in a row. And we're incredibly proud of that. One of only a couple of Scottish companies, I think, in the medium-sized companies list. There's only two or three Scottish companies. And I'm, I'm delighted to say <clears throat> that it is noticeable how many hospitality businesses are now in the top 100, which I think is fantastic for an industry that's seen as low-paid, you know, not very great prospects, you know, and something you do until you get a proper job. You know, we're up against, I always laugh. My sister and I normally go down to the awards and say, you know, we're, we're probably in the top 10 of companies that doesn't have duvet days, free yoga classes, and Prosecco <laughs> on tap. You know, we're, we're a real company, you know, that has to, you know, you know work, work within very sort of tight boundaries. 
it's just fantastic. And I know I, I hear other hospitality businesses now starting to talk about it. So I think it's great that hospitality is now seen as, you know, there's employers out there up and down the country who are treating people really well and making this, you know, a great career for people. Well, just think about that. You do quite a bit to get people into hospitality yourselves. So, you know, your yeah. management accelerator program and that sort of stuff. So, you know, what what kind of things are you doing there? And, you know, how, how are you seeing that? Uh, you know, what, what are the positives you're seeing from that? What it does is it gives the, the junior managers, the ones that are maybe junior managers and chefs, the ones that are, um, you know, thinking about hospitality as a career, you know, those ones that are kind of in it and they, they're quite good at it and they kind of get promoted and they're kind of just wondering whether to make hospitality a career or just pursue something else. And I think what the programme does is it gives them some essential learning uh, and tools, you know, to turn them into great leaders in hospitality. So, you know, we've got a variety of things we do through, you know, leadership, uh, emotional intelligence, financial skills, organisational skills, uh, marketing. Quite a lot of our leadership team take some of the, uh, you know, they take some of the sessions and impart their knowledge. Uh, and, it, and it's just worked really well and it's been something that's been really successful for us. And it, I think that more than anything uh, has been the best uh, form of training that we've done. I would urge anyone to look at that sort of group you know the ones that are sort of teetering. Are they going to? Are they going to continue? Are they going to? Are they going to leave? Uh, they're the ones that that can really the, the leaders of tomorrow. Actually, we've we've had a huge amount of success with um, one one of our core values. We've got three core values, and the number one core value is grow forward together. And we've got amazing success of people who start with us as you know KPs and they become head chefs and they start as part time you know, junior front of house assistants and they end up as, you know, we've got one guy who started, I think, when he was at school, he was under 18, he was just collecting glasses. He's now the company bar manager. Got another guy who started as a KP, he's a head chef in our second busiest restaurant. So, you know, we're, we're really pleased to, you know, have loads of examples of that in the business. That's that, That's got to be good for tenure and things as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we, a, a great uh, recruitment and retention tool is to have a growing business. Uh, it's not the only reason to grow your business, but you know, I don't need to tell many people who, who've got a growing business that it's, it's I'm, I'm always, we do a director's roadshow every six months and you know, I'm, always, I'm always standing there telling people, you know, if you're an assistant manager, you may want to become a manager or you... You know, if you're a, a junior manager, you may want to become an assistant manager, and the same with the chefs. And there's loads of opportunities, um, and people leave us to get promotion elsewhere, and that's fine. We get a lot of people who leave us go and get the experience somewhere else and come back. I think that's a good trait to have, and you know, even when I was at Bartley Card, which you know culturally was a reasonably tough place to be, um, they had the certainly my direct manager had that mindset, you know, which was. Work here, you know. Try your best. If you see something else, go for it, and we'll happily take you back in two years when you're even better. Um, you know. So that was that was something they were quite keen on as well. Um, and I was thinking about the um marketing side of things. So, how big's the team for the amount of venues you've got? What sort of things are you focusing on? You know, how do you get it all done? Um, you know, and, and is it driving a lot of the business, or is reputation driving that? Years ago, um, I, I remember distinctly we opened our second venue in 2004 and, uh, you know, we just kind of opened the doors and it was busy straight away and it was good old word of mouth and, you know, you didn't need any social media hadn't been invented or that kind of stuff. Well, it was just, a, a, it was a sign up, a bit of good word of mouth and, and hey presto, you know, I think those days are, are probably gone. We've got a team now of before and we've obviously now got a social media manager I don't think any sort of modern business could get away without that uh, just to manage that you know, coordinate all those um, different accounts in terms of marketing versus reputation 
I, I just look at marketing as communication, um, external communication, getting the word out. There's so much, so much communication out there, out there for people. You've got to, you've got to get your message across. Um, I'd like to think it was more reputation than marketing. Uh, I think marketing can definitely help. We've got a good database. You know, your followership on on social is important. Um, I think if you focus on quality and you get and you get the word out there and you promote yourself as a, a you know, and keep keep the flag flying there, I don't think it needs to be the be all and end all. Sorry to say that to a marketing guy. That's all right. I'm not offended. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I mean, I think. It's just quite hard to, you know, at, at your size to just try and figure out the best way to do it. And then there's all sorts of questions like, you know, do you try and have sort of group stuff that's going out? Do you do it all completely individual when there's some, you know, do you pull the pages together? Do you, you know, so there's just, there's a lot of um, difficult things at the moment. And, you know, and I guess you're making it slightly harder for yourself having more more than one brand, you know. Um, yeah. So that that can make things really complex, you know, depending on product price, promotions, you know, whatever else is going on. So it's a real it's a real tough one for sure. Be great to have one one brand and just roll it out, and it was one social media account. But it's not, unfortunately, it's not the business we're in. You know, we've got a social media manager, but we've got someone in each venue who's who's a sort of liaison, and it's usually somebody that's got quite a good social media idea themselves they're decent at taking a photograph and you know they've got some good ideas and that that's worked quite well you know just to give to one of the junior managers or even the senior managers if they're they're into it we give them you know a few hours a week just to to do some stuff and come up with some ideas and we've seen some success with that Um, I don't think one one social media manager covering you know 12 or 15 different places really works I think I think customers, consumers see through that. Well, it's, I think it's just, it's more of a unicorn thing, isn't it? There's a very, very, very small percentage of people that have got that one brand rolled out beautifully and have kept the culture. And, you know, you mentioned Wagamama's before, you know, it, it really is a category of one. Yeah. You know, there's not many others that are like that. You know, maybe a bit of Nando's, um, Hawksmoor, Dishoom, but then they're not really that known in the west of Scotland, you know, nobody's really seen those yet. Um, so it's it's a it's a real a real tough one. But yeah, I know I know we'll have made it when uh, there's a Wagamama and co-winning. Uh, I put the, <laughs> the red squirrel. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so and then a cu- couple of other things. Um, was thinking about was just in terms of expanding outside of Russia. So how how many have you got outside of? You just got one. Uh, got two with one under construction. And how did that feel? Was it a little bit Truman Show, you know, sort of driving across the bridge and uh, <laughs> breaking out of pressure? <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Yeah, I, I think uh, we, we had a plan. We had we had a, a, our largest, our, now our largest business is um, in South Queens Ferry overlooking the three fantastic uh, bridges over the 4th. Is that right? Is that your biggest? Yes, it is, yeah. Is it? Yeah, wow. That's the biggest. Thanks, um, and we knew that in order to scale up the business, we had to, you know, go to grow is a great expression. You know, if you're going to scale up your business, you've got to get outside of your your own market, whether that's the country or the area or whatever. And we knew it was going to be, where well, we thought it was going to be tough to, you know, plant that flag down in, in the east um, but we we come up with a plan. We had a we did a nice bit of sort of subtle PR and um, created a bit of a buzz about the 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 new opening there. And people can kind of some people had kind of heard of us, you know, a wee bit. There was a wee bit of the kind of chat about oh yeah, they've got a place and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that worked really well, um, just with a kind of small plan. Uh, and now that we've got that flag planted, people are eager to see what's next uh, at Neck of the Woods, and certainly we are keen to expand into the east. Uh, we see some opportunities over there. Looking forward to our next one opening in April, May. West is best, though. You know what? Yeah, west is best. <laughs> there you go. And I think it's nice, 
if I've seen it with a couple of clients where there is a family behind the brand or brands or the company or venues, whatever you want to say, and then when it goes across, there is that fear, oh, we're not, and it's not the family being arrogant, it's just saying we're not as known over there. Because I think there is an underlying thing with your businesses, certainly in Ayrshire, that you know it's a quality place because it's you guys that are behind it. You know, that's always been a thing, you know, whether, you know, you are aware of that or not. But, you know, it's, it's just, oh, this, is, this will be good. This is, you know, Colin and Kenny Blair's place, Alison's place, you know. So that was always a thing. I think um, that's really good, though, if, um, you know, people over at South Queen's Ferry are sort of knowing that and you're building up that. So it's a little kind of gateway across. So I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful thing. I think it'll be brilliant. And I was, just, and I was thinking about, um, you know, just in terms of the next things. So when you're looking at menu innovation, when you're looking at drinks innovation, venue concepts, you know, design, artwork, you know, anything like that, service style, where are you drawing all that information from? You know, are you traveling a lot? Are you, you know, sort of on the on the internet a lot? You know, or what is it you're doing to get all that information? Yeah, I mean, traveling re- a reasonable amount. Um, I think certainly uh, for us in Scotland, we are, you know, we've always been a bit behind the curve, which is a good thing because we can see the trends coming a mile away. That You know, we can see them coming up the M6, uh, which is really good, for, you know, from the point of view. We, we, if we were at the forefront of the innovation curve, it just wouldn't work. We are we are kind of at the top of that curve, or you know, in the way down the other side. I feel um, so. You can you can go to London, and you can see things happening in front of your eyes, and you know that you're gonna you're gonna have to think about that for the next you know in the next year. You're gonna have to think about that. I think doing that, going to um, uh, propel events, their newsletter, Cater magazine and any travel that we do and bringing those influences back. I think it's just keeping your, um, I've got a very open, I've got a very open mind to, you know, receive, receiving new concepts and receiving new ideas. And I'm just always got, we've, we've always got the, the, the eyes open and the ears open for new things. We don't think we know all or anything like that. I think I think we're in a fortunate position that we do not have to be at the forefront. Yeah, I, I think it's a sweet spot, and I think it's the same for some of the clients I've got in the Midlands as well. And it's not that mm-hmm. you're seeing anyone's, you know, backwards or you know, not as sort of uh, mature or any of these things. It's just London is this thing entity on its own, and it, that ricochet effect just does take a little while, you know, to as you say, to to get up the M6, um, you know, but you know, if you put yeah vegan whatever down to people in Scotland three years ago you know you probably had kittens and if you you know try to open a bow bun concept or something you know people would be like what you know it just it just wouldn't be sort of strong enough so there is there is that slight delay but as you say lucky for you because you're sort of looking you're looking more forward than most so you can you get get that in at the right time have you got any thoughts about what's coming next for for the next Year or year and a bit trim trends. Well, in terms of food, um, obviously vegan and vegetarian right. agenda is sort of top of the list. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are talking about vegan yeah. and vegetarian. You know, my oldest daughter is twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's. I mean, they, they, they talk about vegetarian. They talk about plastic. They talk about a social conscience. You know, that's that's what they're all talking about at school. My daughter came in the other day and said, I want to give all my birthday money to charity. Yeah. In terms of what's happening uh, in interior and, you know, the aesthetic, um, again, you know, we can we can see things coming. Uh, quite interesting. You know, there's a lot of botanicals about just now. There's a lot of plants and all that kind of stuff happening. Um, kind of slightly luxo Defurbished Luxo look type thing. Oh, huh? um, I mean, we 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 use a fantastic Scottish uh, designer, massively well travelled. Uh, my brother and him are just back from Maison Object in Paris. You know, they get a lot of ideas there from 
you know, what's happening from that, that show. Um, and they know that they can't push it too far in Scotland, but they know kind of what's, what's, what's coming. So that, that's how, that's kind of how we, you know, yeah, we get influenced. I think, I, I think it's so exciting. It's never been easier in a lot of ways because, you know, just what you're subjected to on social and all the rest of it. I really think a lot of the time, how the hell would I have done my job 30 years ago? You know, when you're, when you're trying to think of all these, you know, yeah. smart things that you've seen, or, you know, it's just all available all the time uh, on there, which is which is fabulous. I remember a funny story, Mark, uh, years ago, you know, now with the advent of mobile phones and cameras, you know, you don't feel very, you're not uh, too self-conscious just going into, into a restaurant or a bar and just blindly taking a photograph of it. Yeah, I remember years ago going around with Colin with a, with a video camera hidden inside a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you know, just trying to... Wow. The bag under the arm, just trying to take, take video footage of really great interiors and stuff or or sitting with a camera, you know, a film camera on the table and, you know, nonchalantly hitting the, the shutter button while you're in a, in a cafe in London. Um, but now, now all the photographs are online. You can take as many as you want. You know, you just need to look at an Instagram account. But that—that's—that's that's how we used to do it. Yeah, <laughs> surreptitiously. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the, the final questions before a, a couple of fun ones was just thinking about anyone that's wanting to get into either hospitality in general or uh, into their family-run hospitality business. You know, what what advice and tips would you give them? Coming into a family uh, hospitality business, I think that um, I think that what stood me in great stead was that before I became full time in the business, I had stacked the shelves, I had collected the glasses, I had washed the dishes, I had worked in the kitchen, um, I had uh, you know cleaned outside, I had done every job you could you could imagine. Um, and then I briefly went to university. I had my own small business, and then I came into the family business. And I, I, I think I do speak to the odd long-established family business. Like for example, there's some whiskey businesses up here, and I've spoken to some of the families, and they, they through the hundreds of years that they've existed, have have got a, a really defined process for their family coming into the business. And it goes along the lines of get yourself a degree, go and work for somebody else for five years, and then when you come into the business, you need to work in every single department, and then and then you get a good job. And I and I think you know I think it would be wrong to hand your son or daughter a senior position, you know, without them having at least done, you know, have a, a huge amount of experience and work somewhere else. Um, None of my kids and none of my brother's kids or sister's kids are really that massively interested in following us. I think they've seen us work too hard over the years. Um, <laughs> they want to be an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the advice I'd give for anybody wanting to join a, a family business. And what about hospitality? What would you say, anyone thinking um, about that? That's a good question. Here's what I think. If you're enthusiastic and you just want to do something really, really well, and you've got lots of energy, then go for it. I don't think you want to know some of the stuff that we know now because it would maybe put you off. Um, I, I think start like that if you're, you know, think you're entrepreneurial and you just want to do something amazingly well, then just give it a go. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really big one. And I think the really nice thing about hospitality is there isn't a lot of barriers. You know, it may it may be some people or some managers, or but you should bounce somewhere else then. But you know, it really does have this. You, it's only yourself that will stop you going further. Yeah, uh, which is yeah. which is really exciting. What one of the one of the other things I would say is that get some skills in how to how to deal with people. I hear that time again. You know, unless you're good at dealing with people, because but hospitality is a people business. All the all this cliche in in, in town. But unless you're good at managing people and getting the best out of them, eventually you're going to need to employ people. Yeah. And if you if you can't manage them and lead them properly and deal with them and and get your head around the fact that 
you know, people are going to let you down, then that can be really tough. And that's that's the that's the hardest part of it. If you like, if you if you've got a successful or start getting a successful business, is having to rely on other people. Good advice. Right, last couple of things then, just some fun, more quick fire ones. So we have a little bit at the end called Market of Ten, just to ask you a few questions about your likes and uh, one dislike as well. So, uh, best city to eat in? Yeah, I had a good think about this. I think uh, I think I'd have to say London. I mean, I've not been in I've not been in all over the world, but I think I've been in certainly been in New York and I've been in London. And I think you only need to go to London to see everything you need to see. I think when we did our study tour to uh, New York, I came back with the conclusion that actually uh, London was better. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. And then best restaurant. Yeah, that's a that's an easy one. That that would be uh, one of Danny Mayer's places, the Gramercy Tavern. So a Michelin star. Uh, I mean, he he uses the phrase "fine casual." Um, <laughs> Amazing food, obviously. Uh, quite casual surroundings. Not not what I expected of a of a Michelin star restaurant. Um, they do walk ins in the bar. Just incredible service, though. Incredible service. The best service I've ever had. Um, just absolutely impeccable. Um, great buzz. Oh yeah. Amazing culture in that business, and you know you can feel it. I, or I certainly I could with my experiences at uh, Gramercy Tavern. I've got another one though. I just I want to put it out to a Scottish business. The best meal I've ever had was I was in honeymoon uh, in Edinburgh of all places. Oh yeah, uh, and it was seven years ago, and I had a the best meal I've ever had in Martin Wishart's restaurant in Leith. Uh, I think he must have been cooking. It was just sublime. It was four dimensional. Uh, the food. It was. It wasn't just. Um, the look of it, it wasn't the smell, it wasn't just the taste, it was also the texture, uh, and that stands out for me. Uh, I've got this kind of mental, you know, sort of top five meals of all time, but that's definitely number one. And what, what was it you had? It was the tasting menu. Um, oh, right, yeah. So I can't quite remember, but I remember how amazing it was, uh, and we had the wine to, you know, to pair up with it. I think... Good wine and good food together is better than the sum of its parts. Well, but that was just sublime. Definitely. Uh, is there another sort of best dish? You know, is there a go-to or a an all-time favourite as an actual dish? Yeah, um, I don't have a dish, but I do have a style of food. Uh, I play this game with my, my friends all the time. If you had only one meal, you can only have one more meal before you die, what's it going to be? And for me, it would be Indian. I'm a massive uh, Indian food fan. And I, I'm i also quite I'm quite easy to please, and I like to get recommended uh, dishes. So I was in Dishoom reasonably a couple of months ago in Manchester, three months ago, I think it was. And we just asked, we, we, we got in quite late, and we just asked the waiter just to recommend some dishes. And uh, it was really really amazing. Food was just, I wish there was a Dishoom in Glasgow. I'm sure there will be one at some point. Yeah. Well, where's the closest? Is Edinburgh? Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would be, it'd be quite good. I'd, I'd be interested to see if they, if they do do Glasgow. I think Birmingham's next. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. The one I'm fascinated with at the moment is Bundle Bust. All right. So it's uh, just a wee small place. I can't even remember if it's just veggie and vegan uh, Indian food um, but it might be a little bit me there I can't exactly remember but went in uh, with a, a web agency I was working with uh, met them in Leeds and, and went in on a Monday night it was still super hard to get in on a Monday night at like 5 o'clock and it was craft beer and you know really sort of cheap eats street food Indian and you just you all done maybe three things between you um, and that was it. But oh, it was just amazing. And I think every course was like between like four and eight quid. My mouth is watering talking about this. I go <laughs> honestly check them out. And if you're in Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, they're really worth a visit. Um, it's it's just I think there's something magical about that one. So wait and see how that does. Um, so the last couple of things were uh, best drink. What's your go to? 
Well, you're going to like this one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, our oldest venue, Vix in the Vine, as it's now called, uh, we have Tank Tenant Slagger. Very good. There are only four places in Scotland do the unpasteurised Tank Tenant Slagger. And uh, I just think it's fantastic. Is that a cracker, is it? Amazing pint. Um, it just, it's, it's, We've, we've nicknamed the tanks Big Juicy because that's the nickname <laughs> in, uh, in Scotland. But that's Scotland's most popular beer. But I just think the un- unpasteurised is has a, an extra bit of flavour. Uh, it's just amazing. The first pint of that is to die for. You need to get one the next time you're up. I, I I will. In fact, I'm up soon. I'm up in the next couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll maybe try and nip down. I think the, the thing is, I spend my life defending tenants <laughs> down here because everyone just goes, oh, yeah, you know, tramps and 9%. And I'm going, no, 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 it's just like normal lager. You know, whatever it was, tenants like 4% or something. Yeah, 4%. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sort of saying that and people just don't believe me. They're like, ah, it'd be rubbish. And I'm like, honestly, it's, if you get a pint of that, you know, one of your venues, I, I like going to the market bar and, and Cohen. I think they do a good pint of tenants. So, yeah. It's very good, but anyway, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and then, oh, sorry, have you got it in the corner house? We've not got the tank, we've got uh, ah, the keg. Right. Uh, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. I will, I might, I might have a, I might try and swap my arrangements in uh, and, and get down when I'm in Glasgow. Um, and then the the last thing was just, you know, sort of bad experience or things that you've avoided or, you know, have you walked out of a restaurant or thrown your hands up in the air? What, what's happened there? I, I, I think one of the things about working in hospitality for a long amount of time is that you have great humility. Uh, I've thought carefully, I think carefully about this, but um, we've, we've all been there in a bad shift where it's not going right and uh, I have the, the, the utmost patience when it comes to you know visiting other restaurants, one of the one of Danny Mears, one of the, what part of their culture is charitable assumption. Okay. You know, they're always willing to give a charitable assumption at least to start. So I'm always, I, I'm always very patient when it comes to things like that. I actually can't think of a restaurant that I've walked out of. I've had a bad experience in a hotel uh, not long after it first opened. In fact, it was in the Atlantis in Dubai. Not after it opened, and it was an absolute disaster. We did walk out of that, but to be fair to them, they they recovered the situation well. They they brought us back for a stay, and it was it was great the next time. So I think it was the combination of they had just opened, and it was the uh, end of um, the Ramadan. So it was the mm-hmm. it was Eid. Uh, it was mega busy. They were a bit disorganised. Um, and that's the that's the worst experience. But in terms of restaurants and bars, I can't actually think of one. I think I'm I'm just super patient, and because I've because I've seen so many things, I, I think I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, it's really funny because when I asked that question, it's a splitter where some people say what you've just said, and they're saying like you know happens to us all, and you know have some respect. But, and there's other people just go off the deep end. So it's quite interesting to sit, you know, you can really set a, uh, yeah, uncharitably, uh, an uncharitable assumption about someone's personality once they've razzed on about yeah. someone not bringing them a fork or something, you know. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I better let you go um, because you're busy and you've got your new office to furnish and you've got your new venue just down the road, uh, the Duke. So really wish you well with that. You know, I'm sure it will go from strength to strength and then get 13th open quickly for superstitious reasons and get 14 and 15. Because, uh, uh, well, actually, you could do it like uh, some of the buildings in Canary Wharf. They don't have a number 13 floor. <laughs> you know, they just skip it. So maybe you could do that, you know. Uh, just get, get over that one quickly. <laughs> so, no, I think you'll just do brilliant, you know, as usual. And... Um, Hope to see you soon at uh, one of these uh, events. And I really think people have really got a lot out of this episode as well. So thanks so much. You're welcome. Good to speak to you, Mark. So there you go. I hope that wasn't too hard to understand with two people from the same town uh, chatting away maybe a little bit more quickly than usual. 
Kenny just had so much great information and we could have gabbed on for days, I'm sure. But I hope that you really got to grips with how mature the business is, how mature the leadership is and how much they really care about their people. And I think sometimes when we're in big city bubbles or London bubbles, we do not think enough about the rest of the country and how they're doing things. So I really think they're doing a great job. So congratulations to them. Huge thanks to BDO for sponsoring us all this series. It's been really great and I really hope that you know you can reach out to them if you need some financial help or you need some advice on how to structure, grow or exit your business in the future. Massive thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all of their help in putting the podcast together. Really, really appreciate it. It's an awful lot of work. Huge thanks to everyone listening and everyone that's listened all the way through the series. It's been really great. That's number 43 now. So we've done a really good job to get through them all. So thanks for listening and thanks for rating, reviewing, feeding back and sharing as well. It means an awful lot. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I really hope this episode has brought you some great value that will help your business boom. Boom.